NYNix1512 asks, I am blowing off my girlfriend for the second time now. So I was supposed to hang out with her yesterday, since usually we always hang out on Sundays, but I didn't really want to hang out with her. I just wanted to stay home and play video games since I haven't been able to do that in forever. She was pretty upset about it, and I told her I would come over tomorrow, which is now today. But I still don't really want to hang out. The reason is, is that number one, I don't feel good. I ate something for lunch and it didn't settle well. Number two, I have a lot of homework to do because we are going on a 12-day trip, and so I have to do all the homework before I leave. Number three, we are going on a 12-day trip, just us two, and I would like some time alone and do stuff by myself before we leave. I feel like a mean person doing this, but like, I don't know. It feels like it is a lot of time with her and not doing the stuff I want to do slash need to do. Am I a mean person for doing this? No, you're not a mean person for doing this. And I mean, your definition of mean is up to you. Uh, your mind. <laughs> doesn't make you mean to have needs to uh, do things without your partner. If you think it makes you mean, then I think it's necessary to be mean sometimes. Mm. If you want to say that this is a mean thing to do, yeah. I think you got to be mean for the relationship to be healthy and for it to thrive. The alternative yeah. is you do a bunch of things that you don't want to do to make her happy and then you resent her. And then it ends in anger and you not enjoying the time that you're with her. You yeah. need distance for desire to grow. You got to spend some yeah. time apart to want to be together again. And would, you might yeah. have different needs for that. She might yeah. want to be around you more than you want to be around her. And at other times that might change. Yeah, I, I, I am interested, though, because you said you were going to define mean as you see it. And I still want to know that definition. Oh, what is I think mean? it might be good for, for there to be like a real... An object, a more objective definition. Yeah. Um, mean is uh, hurtful. I want to say with intent. Because mm. you could hurt someone accidentally. Then, I, like, Is it possible to be mean without intention to hurt? I don't know. Depends on I, how broad I, your definition. Some people yeah. use the word mean differently. It's not like a technical right. term. It's right. anything that hurts another person could be yeah. called mean, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah. Um, I think there is a, if, if it's without intention, but it's, it's very unconsidered, there's a component of meanness to that. Um, where it's like you, you didn't even, even bother to examine think it. Think about how yeah. that language choice or that decision. That lack of consideration, it could be considered part of meanness. Um, which again, it seems like you are doing the consideration. And I think what's, I have, <laughs> I have a personal bias, too, to this question, um, which relates to the fact that you're saying that, you know, you're also preparing to go on a 12-day trip together. And so with that in mind, you need maybe more time alone, more time to just to yourself in general yeah. or to take care of things that are necessitated by you taking those 12 days off. And I think that it's uh, it's important to stand up for those needs and to try to help her understand that and um, create that division in your, in yourself too of like, you know, I'm doing this so that I can not only have room for that, but also appreciate it more. As Rob was saying, in order to really miss someone, there has to be distance. Yeah. Uh, here's some advice. I think uh, relationships work better when you give yourself and your partner permission to disappoint each other. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And if you expect that you'll never be disappointed, and you're never going to disappoint them, 
well, then you're going to be disappointed and you're going to think that that's, there's something wrong with that. Like your needs yeah. will conflict with your partners sometimes. Yeah. And if you always choose their needs over yours, that doesn't end well. And if you always choose yours over theirs, it probably doesn't end well either. I think that there's some amount of balance and compromise and reevaluation as you realize, okay, there's a pattern yeah. here. If this keeps happening, there's yeah. the two ways to solve this are one, you can change the way that you behave around her. Perhaps you don't let yourself play video games when she's around and she might actually be okay with you playing video games in her presence. She just likes being near you and you don't have to pay full attention to her or um, you know adhere to whatever standards you currently have for your interactions mm -hmm. with her. Um, the other thing is what you're doing currently, which is just spending some time not with her and uh, letting yourself be alone because you're anticipating uh, spending a lot of time with her. And that's totally yeah. normal. If you're spending a long trip with somebody, I totally get that. I've been in that situation and I think the best thing to do is to acknowledge that to this person from within a container of love or liking or affection, whatever, yeah, yeah. however you communicate um, positivity towards each other. Like, hey, I am looking forward to spending time with you yeah. and I am scared of uh, being with anyone this much or being with mm -hmm. you this much that it mm -hmm. could, um, I, you know, try and own the feeling of like, I get testy or I get anxious, I get, I feel pent up, whatever your feeling is when right. I'm around another person for that long. And so I think I'll enjoy the trip more if I have a little time before and after where I'm by myself. Yeah, I think setting that expectation is a really good thing. Because so the, the reason that I was saying that I have a bias is because I recently had a relationship end after we took a long trip seeing each other and being together, um, you know, nonstop. And then the trip was over and we're long distance. We were long distance. So that contrast and, and maybe not properly setting that expectation of like, okay, now because I was just on this trip, I'm going to be really busy and you're not going to hear from me as much. And that doesn't mean that I don't love you. I don't care about you. Mm -hmm. Um, those things are true. Those things are evidenced by the fact that I took this trip. Um, but yeah, setting that expectation, um, leaving room for there to be that discrepancy in wants and needs. And, and like Rob said, trying to couch it in a sense of like, I love you. I care about you. I want to spend time with you. I also need time to myself. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs that. Yeah. If you can use and instead of, but Morgan didn't say, but yeah. Um, yeah then it makes it better. It's like, I, I'm excited to go on this trip with you and I'll enjoy it even more if yeah. I can have a little time beforehand where I'm not next to you. It helps me like build up the anticipation and uh, talk about yeah. something specific that you're excited to do yes. with them on the trip and yes. like plant, plant those little seeds of desire. That's all kind of like a verbal foreplay mm. of like, oh, I can't wait until we're doing this thing or, you know, yeah. sell a fantasy of what's yes. going to be fun about you and this person on the trip together. And, uh, that I think when people are looking to spend this time, she probably just wants to know that you care. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe she has anxieties going into the trip yeah. or something. Um, and I, I think Rob's suggestion is great. And I was, uh, planning on alluding to that as well as like, maybe make a special plan mm -hmm. of, of something positive that you're going to do on the trip or ask her like, what would make you feel really connected while we're together? This kind of thing, eating eating dinner, just the two of us, or, you know, I don't know what kind of trip it is, but make time for an activity that she really evaluates as, okay, this proves, not you need, you need to prove to her so much that you love her, but, you know, that that, that fulfills her need or, or speaks her love language. That would be another recommendation I have is, is I think 
a lot of people know now or you know use it colloquially that there are you know this this handful of uh love languages and some people feel most loved when they when they hear someone communicate love in a specific way with either words or their actions or spending quality time together or physical touch that's reassuring so knowing each other's love languages both both how you uh tend to communicate it and and best receive it uh, can can sometimes help fill in the gap of one person feeling like well i'm doing all these things for you how are you not receiving mm-hmm. that and the other person feeling like I'm only asking for this one thing and why is he not giving me this? Right. Find out what is going to mean the most to her so that you can use use your opportunities for connection most efficiently and effectively. I uh this may be unfeminist advice. <laughs> I want to well, let's uh, hear it. suggest that you make the plan mm. and tell her that you're excited to do this thing or just yeah. say this is what I want to do does it sound good for you rather than the open-ended question of what would feel good for you. And then Mm. you're putting the burden of planning on her. Yeah. I think she might enjoy it more if you have something that, that you, and and this gives you an opportunity to like plan it in a way. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're finding you're, you're at a situation where nothing really seems to excite you like that, that could be a sign that you are um, putting too much emphasis on her feelings or you're feeling constricted in the way that you need to behave around her, or you're just not that excited about the way that you guys relate right now. And that may require a larger conversation about like what responsibilities you take on. And that that's the type of conversation a lot of people avoid because it could reveal an underlying incompatibility or difference in what you guys are looking for right now. And that can lead to people breaking up. So I understand avoiding that type of conversation, but that's not inevitable. A lot of times there's a simple, I just want to be touched more or Mm -hmm. I just want, um, a nightly text telling you, telling me you love me, something that might not be that threatening to you. Um, so I think it's worth having the conversation. You can enjoy the trip yeah. more. Yeah, but if you if you do find yourself really resisting and not wanting to comply with those things yeah. that that maybe are simple, and again, this is pointing to what happened in my last relationship, then then that's an indication too right. of something. Um, and and it's it's not bad or wrong or mean to feel the way that you feel and mm-hmm. there may be a solve for it. There may be a way to lessen it or, you know, intensify your excitement or desire, or, you know, it may be time to start withdrawing from the relationship. Sure. I don't know what that answer is, but I think paying attention to how you feel and, you know, the way that you have listed out the factors uh, is the key to kind of unlocking. Well, what do I really want here? Yeah. I, I want to advise, advise against, um, the avoidance of meanness mm-hmm. as a primary principle in making decisions in relationships. Yeah. It's a strategy that a lot of people use, especially early on in their love life, some people for their whole lives. I think that it's a bad strategy. If it's the only one you employ, certainly it's good to be kind. But if you do that right. to the exclusion of all other values, right. you end up in a situation where you're dating a person you don't want to be dating because it you don't want to be mean. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's not much meaner a thing you can do than spending your life with somebody that you don't really want to be spending it with mm-hmm. out of trying to protect their feelings. That they, Would you want it, that? Yeah, you exactly. You wouldn't want that. Exactly. <laughs> it's deciding for them that it's saying you can't do better than somebody who is kind of half-heartedly with you and would yeah. really be with 
would rather be yeah. with someone else. Yeah. Making that decision for someone is the long-term meanest thing you can do. Yeah. And and it's not to say that you're doing that, but we no, it's we just, are cautioning against that in general. In case you get to that happen. point or you are doing that, who knows? Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know that much about your situation, but Right. Well, good luck, New York Knicks. Yeah, good luck, New York Knicks. Let us know how the trip goes if you feel like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And welcome to another episode of Free Advice. Hit the theme song. Free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Forever. How are you feeling this week, Rob? I'm feeling good. I'm making a comeback. Ooh, don't call it a comeback. Or we do want to call it a comeback. Why? I don't know. That's just something people say. An admission of some vulnerable period. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was ever gone. Where was I? I go places. Yeah. You know, I'm not always here. That's so true. Uh, Some percent of me is, I guess, in the physical form. But I drift. My spirits uh, waver. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And who are we really? Who Which are, part of us is really the essence of us? Yeah. There's a lot of selves. Mm-hmm. I don't, you can't just pick one. Or you no. could, but there would be a way to poke holes in that choice. There's, a sh- there's, there's like a shadow that your drawstring is casting right on your crotch. And visually, it, it keeps catching my eye. Yeah. And then I'm having this, <laughs> I'm having this <laughs> thought of like, is he Let watching me? Like... Yeah continually kind of like be brought back to his crotch no i wasn't no okay cool so now he will i'm indifferent to that kind of thing okay doesn't excite me or annoy me i often find that inadvertently when i'll be like talking to someone or like walking by someone on the street staring at their crotch it's not so much a stare as it is like oh i accidentally like linger there one extra second and the just passing glance or yeah i just i'll be like mm, mm, and just go from bop from my eyeline just bops from their eyeline like just to some other part of their body and i'm like oh is oh my god did they <laughs> did they see me looking at their crotch is that why am i looking at their crotch what, what's going on there <laughs> see if they're peeing see I, if they're <laughs> peeing. most often no what do you do what do you do when you make <laughs> eye contact with a stranger you've been looking at them and then they look at you yeah and then what what do you do Avert your eyes down and start looking at the crotch. Oh, does that help? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this will diffuse the situation. No, no. Like, I'll usually I'll try to do like a little like you know like smile of acknowledgement, like a very casual smile. Like this is what we're supposed to do. This is what society tells Mm, us to do. That like mm, yeah, like that lips together. mm. No teeth smile. Sometimes I sometimes I use my teeth. Sometimes you get the teeth out. It depends. Okay. It depends. Nod down. Nod up. No, I don't really nod. No nodding. Just shake your head no no <laughs> no i don't contact. move my head at all i no just head movement. smile head still okay maybe finger sometimes guns? I nod down. Mm, sometimes if i know them for sure <laughs> if you know a person finger yeah. guns yeah yeah if you don't know them what would happen if you finger gunned them maybe they would finger fall over Ooh, that would be a new friend wouldn't it yeah it would so if you see me on the street <laughs> finger gun me yeah and i'll pretend to be gunned down <laughs> not finger bang finger gun Finger gun very different not inviting random finger bangs yeah i um i exercised this morning fuck yeah it makes a whole difference in my discipline my self-control i feel like Mm. it's an act it's a 
down payment on an increase in self-control and focus for the rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. And I really didn't want to when I got out of bed, but I did it. I was like, it'll feel good. I trust that. And I was right. Yeah. Now I feel better. Who knows if that's placebo? Some element of it might be, but damn, do I feel like more People, with it. People like talk down the placebo effect as if it's not an amazing phenomenon. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's proof of it achieves the, the, same like, thing. The, the body's ability to <laughs> just like the mind's ability to yeah. fix things with a belief. Yeah. Yeah. It shows the power of like intention or belief on a, any system really. Yeah. And I think that like, you can go too far with that. You can go too far and it can be a little bit fear inducing of like, whoa, I'm not, the inputs and outputs aren't mapping as closely as I would have thought. And there's some sort of fear of a lack of control, I would think, mm -hmm. in that or uncertainty. But I overall, I think it's very promising. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's like, what do we care about more here? The Like the result? In most cases, yes, I would say. Right. I'm also just very interested in process and mm -hmm. what affects what, how is it working? I've never been yeah. somebody who just like wants the answer and that's enough. Hmm. I want to know how the you arrived at that answer. Yeah, yeah. Often unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a recipe for a life that's less happy. But well, what do you mean? Oh, when you need to, needing to, to this unpack the process element of curiosity or a critical mind. Like I think yeah. that I, I fall in that category. I doubt things more mm -hmm. than other students in class. Mm. I want to challenge the teacher more. And that's yeah. Ultimately, I think. Um, a powerful thing but it's dangerous too it can mean that i doubt my own answers to things i doubt my feelings yeah. I, I distrust some of my own decisions um, yeah i think there's just as there is healthy skepticism there's unhealthy skepticism anything mm -hmm. can go too far sure that's that's an important thing if you champion a value i think a great question to ask yourself is in what's what are the limits of this? Yeah. Like, how is this dangerous? So, for instance, how can it kindness, be overapplied? Um, yeah, the like, I think it's bad to be mean. Okay, right. In, right. Can now you imagine a scenario where that's taken too far? Yes. and it ends up being the wrong principle to hold. That's yeah. the, the middle path for anything. Yeah, yeah. So I have a the next question is yeah. is sort of along these same lines. Great, so you got an advice question from I one of our do. listeners. I do. Let's uh, future That's listeners. Future listener. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? I really like the username. It leads. It makes me think. Mm. Necessary parking <laughs> asks. Uh. <laughs> Necessary parking asks leaving a job that has treated me well. I'm currently working as a chef in a very tight knit and small restaurant operation. Mm. I've been treated well and have close personal relationships with my employers. I've recently become disillusioned with the industry and want to leave, but feel obligated to stick around as we are expanding to open a second location. I know everyone is replaceable at the end of the day, but I feel as if they are counting on me and the thought of quitting and disappointing them makes me incredibly, makes me feel incredibly bad. <laughs> Weird Freudian slip there for me. <laughs> makes um, me incredibly bad. <laughs> I can't even believe how bad it makes me. Um, <laughs> How do you? How do people could get this bad? And then I saw me. <laughs> I must have looked in a bad mirror. How do you leave a job that has treated you well with no hard feelings? There might be some hard feelings. You can't avoid them. Yeah, uh, you can do whatever you can to minimize them. Yeah, but uh, that's just. This is similar to the first question of the. Mm -hmm. There's some inevitable letdown. 
Yeah. People are expecting you to stay and you're going to go. Do your best to minimize that uh, tough feel, the the sadness that they'll feel, but people might be sad. You're going to make people sad. And I think that it's important. You should tell babies that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when do you realize you're going to make people sad? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. What's important? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm I'm down to go down that route. What age? What age should we tell people they're going to make them other people sad? First time they do it. Mm. You you don't want to preempt it. Uh, You probably can't. It's something you need to experience. Like that person Mm -hmm. needs to have been sad themselves and then make another person sad and then draw the connection of like, Mm -hmm. oh, remember the time that I took your toy away because it was time to go to sleep? Well, you pooping in your pants right now (laughs) makes me feel how you felt then. And then the kid goes, oh, it made sense and I won't need that lesson repeated ever. (laughs) Oh, I I shouldn't poop. (laughs) I should hold my poop in and then develop some kind of chronic anal illness. Yeah, and then I just live a really organized life in spreadsheets and calendars. I never dance at parties. Yeah, keep my hips completely still. So all of this stuff that we're riffing on right now is an example of that over, yes, anal retentive, but an over conscientiousness of of how something is going to impact other people. Perhaps with like shame that was applied to a past experience of of doing that. Too tight, too tense. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not... Type Taking a. your own what? Type A. Type A, sure. Personality type. Type A. A. No. <laughs> a for anal. <laughs> yeah. B for buttless. <laughs> <laughs> um, for but I don't care. Um, okay, so it's it's that that overemphasis on how is this going to impact other people and not wanting to disappoint them. What what? What's that? What whatever. Buh, I'm so it? type B. I'm so type B. It doesn't even bother me. Buh is not a word. People don't say buh. It's not a flavoring particle or an interjection. But but sure. <laughs> I was surprised how long into what I was saying you were still holding know, on to that. I know. I should have let it go. No, it's okay. But you're too type A. <laughs> yeah. Stinky. Um, stinky Sphinky. <laughs> I think it's important to reflect back to you. Are, did you want to say something else about Slinky Sphinky? I could keep rhyming if you want. Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. I want to yeah, get back yeah, to me too. I wish part. you hadn't asked that. I wish so you just kept talking. Is, so what you're saying is I disappointed you. Mm-hmm. And will it be okay? Mm-hmm. Please get back to the thread. Okay. Um. So I think it's important to recognize that just as you said, the reason that you that the stakes are high of disappointing these people yeah. is because you've been able to foster a great relationship because you were treated well, you treated mm-hmm. them well. There was this sense of while you were working together in the restaurant, I've got your back and we're running this thing together and you know, you're depending on each other. And I think perhaps there's an over application of, well, am I expected to do this forever? Now do I, now do I always have to be in charge of the ship when really it, it seems that you've sort of, uh, and outstripped your ability to do that. You no longer to wish wish to do it anymore. It doesn't really matter so much why, but it makes sense that you would still be holding on to that team mentality of like, it's going to let down this team that previously I was a really valuable yeah. member of and helped to make that machine run. That's I think open communication about that whole internal process mm-hmm. is the best thing you can do to yeah. help people get over this and understand if you just leave while avoiding these difficult conversations, I think that's more hurtful. What was the mm. thing they were trying to avoid? Uh, letting people down, disappointing. 
Yeah. Language. Yeah. Causing hard feelings. Causing hard feelings. Okay. So the hardest feelings come if you just leave or if you just mm-hmm. stay. Mm. If you avoid a conflict with others, you start a war within yourself. And if you know yeah. that you could be doing better at another position, another location, um, by switching things up, you're going to start to resent them for yeah. keeping you here. Yeah. So, or you like do some mental gymnastics to convince yourself that this is actually the right thing to do. And then you avoid that type mm-hmm. of life analysis more generally. And you end up leading an unexamined life where you're not taking care of yourself. And all you're doing is just following through on, well, this is my obligation yes. to these people. That's uh, bad faith. You don't want to have bad faith. Mm. The faith that things have to be bad and this is just how mm. it has to be. Yeah. Um, it's not going to help with the disillusionment no, <laughs> for sure. No. <laughs> I really like what you said and I want to pull it out and give it more yeah. space. When you avoid conflict with you, others, with you, others start you start a war, a war within, within, yourself. within yourself. I've never heard an articulation like that. I it think it's really Facebook beautiful. meme I saw. Really? Yeah. Somebody holding a piece of cardboard with that written in Sharpie on it. Whoa. It's like a sad woman. Wow. Yeah powerful stuff had like some flower curly q type but i think the mistake good. yeah yeah no it's amazing because i think that the mistake that we make is we think that there's no cost to avoiding conflict yeah. we think okay this is great it has this short-term benefit of we're going to kick the can mm-hmm. down the road we don't have to cause any hard feelings but we underestimate what is the cost to ourselves yeah. selves and yes. we hold on to that you know, emotionally, and that can turn physical. You hold it in your cells. You store How does that it disappointment. Turn physical. What kind of bodily things show up for a person who's doing that? Yeah. So, um, I think it depends. So sometimes I think there can be a sure, sure. That's one way. Is that allusion to the earlier thing? Eye yeah. twitches. Eye twitches, perhaps stutters. Tightness of the jaw and throat of like mm-hmm. you're holding in your truth, kind of. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, a tightness there. And Voice cracking. Maybe, yeah, like a, a nervousness of not not being able to be honest. Mm-hmm. The other one I would point to, which I really, I notice a lot of uh, correlation between d- depression and, and people who kind of tend to tend to internalize their issues yeah. um, and stomach issues. Mm. Um, and, and there's a very- Nausea or lack of appetite? What are, um, overeating, what stomach issues? So- Sometimes it, it even helps to kind of like talk through the metaphor because these metaphors often already exist. Like how much are you stomaching? Mm-hmm. How much are you holding it. in? You can't stomach it. You have to like uh, swallow. They're ignoring the feeling in their gut, their gut feeling. Ignoring their gut feeling. And, and, and it's again like that internalization. It's something that you keep swallowing and it keeps settling yeah. in you and it's never expelled or expressed. Because you keep giving yourself the message when you choose to swallow something that that, that you can't can take that, that hit and yeah. someone else can't. Internalize it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I do this all the time in small, big yeah. and small ways. But I think it's really, it's been important for me to just make it a practice to become more conscious about it. Notice when it's happening. Notice the trade-off and be a little bit more realistic about okay, this may not feel like it's hurting me short term, like I'm afraid to do to someone else. But long term, the more that I swallow my truth, the more kind of self disgust and just that war within yourself. I feel that war within myself very deeply. Uh, Another way of putting that that appealed to me, this is from a TED talk from Tim Ferriss. I forget who he was quoting, but Mm -hmm. the quote was easy choices, hard life, hard Mm. choices, easy life. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want life to be easier, it means 
choosing the hard thing because you know it's right, or yeah. you can choose the easy things and live a hard life. Yeah. My main recommendation is to talk to the people that you feel that you're letting down or that might have hard feelings. Tell them about the the shame that you have or the uh, sadness that you have about yeah. letting them down. And yeah. let them know that you care and that you feel a part of this community and that yeah. you care about disappointing them and yeah. that you're choosing to do that if you if you decide to leave. That, right. that you care and that it hurts to do this. That's yeah. the yeah. most important thing. I think another interesting um, potential thing to do in those conversations is share some of that disillusionment and maybe give them a place, a safe place to process disillusionment that mm -hmm. I'm sure they're experiencing to some extent, mm -hmm. give some of that back to them so that they are better equipped to handle, um, you know, what they're going to be continuing to face. Yes. And even if they don't, even if, you know, somebody has, uh, internalized their uh, bad faith or they've come up with reasons why it's a really good situation for them. And maybe those mm -hmm. things are true. Mm -hmm. This is a larger decision that you have to make about how much do you want to live as an individual or as a collectivist? Yeah. How much do you want to define yourself by the groups that you're a part of or yeah. as an individual who's a member of those groups yeah. temporarily? Yeah. I think another thing that may make it easier to, in this case, make those hard choices. Um, and again, this is something that I've done is like, Often it's easier for me to know when I'm prioritizing something else, when, I'm, yeah. when I've discovered something that is more important to me mm -hmm. and I can put that reasoning on top of. That's an empowering oh, way of mm -hmm, framing it. Mm -hmm. To be like, you know what? Right now I just, I know in my gut that I care about this more. And yeah. so it's, it still hurts me to have to have these conversations, but you feel connected to a grander purpose. Um, and, a, and you you feel like you're taking a step towards this better, more ideal future for yourself. And if you do make that shift, if you're saying goodbye to some of these people, mm -hmm. I recommend telling another community, if you have family members or friends who are not related to this work, mm. hey, I'm about to lose a community uh, of support yeah. and I would love to be able to talk to you a little bit more in this time of transition. I would love to spend a little bit more time in person together. If you're losing that feeling yeah. of being needed, maybe going to a new job where you don't know people and they don't have the same like shorthand of that same familiarity with mm -hmm. you, it would be great to ask for that specifically from yeah. the other people that aren't related to this work in your life. Hopefully you have them mm -hmm. and if you don't think you do, search back a little bit. You might be surprised that somebody that you haven't talked to in a year or some, some time longer than that yeah. would actually... Perhaps they're going through a similar thing. Or maybe they don't respond at all, but it's worth a shot of... Whenever someone is leaving a community behind or some emotional support, I recommend yeah. searching for it, like making sure that those needs don't just get unmet, those social needs of, of being needed, being dependent on that you're talking about at this work. I hope that you can yeah. ask other people uh, to do that. And I that means like that listening suggestion. to them or like helping them. You know, maybe yeah. it's yeah. helping... Uh, your mom with her car. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be a different thing, but like it's that, yeah. that need to be needed yeah. yeah, that I'm trying to acknowledge. And I love that. I love that um, suggestion of like preempting that social need that you know you're going to yeah. go into missing. And I, I highly recommend it also, you know, pre-breakup. Yeah. It's, As, it's a similar breakup advice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, you, you start planting those seeds. I've certainly done this. You start planting those seeds with the friends around you where you start telling them, uh-oh, hey ship's going down. 
<laughs> you start venting to them about that because you need the support yeah. when you're still maybe in the phase of like, maybe I'm going to save this relationship, mm-hmm. but I just need some support. But then also you've talked to them recently. You've rallied the troops. So when, <laughs> when that does unfold, <laughs> you can go to them because they'll already They've be prepped. caught up mm-hmm. and they'll have, they'll see it coming. It won't come out of the blue to them so much. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really great strategy. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, um, and this sort of comes from somewhat my experience as an art therapist is when I'm, uh, when I know I'm you know, going to be terminating with a client, meaning our, our therapeutic relationship is ending or now as a coach, same thing. And I, I know that, you know, it's our last session or whatever. Um, I think it helps to go into interactions with that frame of mind because it helps you to start processing the grief of that. And what I often try to do in a termination session is reflect on what has been valuable to me about the relationship. How has that person impacted me? Um, So maybe for you, it's sharing a memory, sharing something meaningful, and then you can both kind of process um, and simultaneously let go Mm -hmm. by having that shared moment. And I often find that termination or or that, that ending process, that saying goodbye prompts people to, uh, appreciate and connect in ways that they wouldn't have if there, there wasn't that impetus if there, if it was just business as usual. So giving yourself that opportunity to process and reflect and have a last moment of kind of shared joy or, um, you know, nostalgia could be really healing. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Well, good luck. I hope that you do find something that you're less disillusioned by. And I've, I know nothing about working in a restaurant other than that I've heard from people that it's really fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the uh, struggle breeds community and yeah. bonds. So, if you're sharing that with other staff, I, I yeah, again, didn't work at a restaurant like mine. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I waitressed for one night and I was like, wow, fuck this. This is too that. hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone that does that yeah. really kudos you said less disillusioned could you just say illusion <laughs> i don't know if the positive works do people should people start saying that a better question than do people say that <laughs> is there a utility um so what exactly would it mean like wow i'm so i just want a job this. that i'm illusioned by it sounds like a bad thing it still sounds like it would be but a bad disillusioned thing. is bad right illusioned also bad also sounds bad i think it's kind of like acknowledging um the internal processes that uh are responsible for what we call love whoa like, unpack that okay <laughs> that made no sense to me it, um <laughs> falling in love with something is being illusioned by it it's projecting onto it good qualities that you are that your mind is creating. creating an illusion yeah it's like uh, i'm going to imagine a mirage of beauty upon this person upon this situation upon right this, right whatever it Which is we all do it's like yeah it's becoming illusioned it's it's kind of a negative it's a cynical way of putting it yeah but if you have a desire to become illusioned by something it's sort of a way of like knowing your own capacity to find loveliness it's to like find the placebo effect <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's like knowing that power within you to, yeah. to uh fall for something to get excited about something and and to know your ideal based on mm. what you imagine the situation to be yeah to be the person to be yeah it's to be illusioned that's so interesting thank you um but yeah there is an inherent sense though of of fakeness to it or mm-hmm. it's it's, it's manufactured it's merely an illusion well everyone Every person that we have in our life, everything that we interact with is 
really like something that we hold in our mind. It's some in image that we have, right. that we create. It's really not the essence of that thing. Sure. Inherently. We interact only with our sensory information about a thing, not the thing itself. And yeah. that's, there's always some disconnect between our impression of the thing and the actual thing. Right. Um, which like, I feel like this is such a like snooty reference, but I love it so much and I can't help but make it. Sure. Um, I'll go to a freshman <laughs> philosophy class. I don't give a fuck. Fuck yes. <laughs> um, so my favorite painter, hmm. Renee Magritte mm-hmm. is a surrealist. Um, and he has that, that famous image of a pipe and it says Cessna um pipe, whatever. I can't fucking, uh, yeah, I can't fucking speak French. It says it's not a pipe. This is not a pipe. pipe. Um, meaning pointing to the, the like inherent gap between like semiotics and uh, the language of something pointing to something Mm -hmm. and saying, this is a thing and the thing itself. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, it's a painting of a pipe. It conjures the idea of a pipe in your mind, but in no way is it a pipe. Right. I just, I fucking love that painter. I, I love the images that he creates. One of the other famous ones is... I heard a theory that he was actually trying to draw a whale dick. <laughs> and then it came out looking like a pipe. And so he wanted to clarify at the bottom of it, this is a whale dick. Then they were like, no, no, leave off the part about this is not a pipe. This is a whale dick. Just say this is not a pipe. And then it's, people can run wild yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like an accidental greatness. Is that true? I haven't taken an art history class. I'm going to wager that it is not true. No. Um, but... What I love about him okay. is, so, oh, the other famous image that he has dork. is That's the, the man word. with the, what? A whale dick is a dork, right? What? Isn't a whale dick a dork? I've never heard that. I'm pretty sure that's where dork comes from. That that's what that's called? A whale dick is a dork? I think that's why we call people dorks is because they're like whale dicks. And that means, like, describe a whale dick to me. What's the impression you're left with of a whale dick? Like, they're not that cool socially? <laughs> it's not. It doesn't really fuck that good. <laughs> doesn't really. It's all talk. <laughs> yeah, a big load. No, not satisfying. Um, No foreplay. Whale, whales strategically it's suffer It's not very smooth. Let's say that about a whale dick. <laughs> it's it's not suave. <laughs> Doesn't have a lot of charisma, a whale mm. dick. It's not exciting. <laughs> what color is it? B- blue, white, <laughs> white, blue, gray. Yeah, somewhere in that range. It's not an. Ex- yeah. It's not a hot red. No, what like a baboon it's dick not a would midnight be? Midnight <laughs> black. Yeah, like a baboon <laughs> dick or uh-huh. even a human who's just been in the sauna. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, so the other Magritte painting you yeah, might know yeah. is the man with like the bowler hat and the apple in front of his face. I know that one. That's a great one. Um, so what I love about him is What's that about? Honestly, I'm not sure. Oh. I think it's just I think it's just like uh, intentionally upsets your expectation. And you'd want the apple to be on the head or in the mouth. You would want to see the person's face. Oh, you don't even want there to be apple at all. Yeah, I don't know. I should do some research on that. I, but the the main thing that I was going to say now that I've been like touting this for so long and oh, then not the even up. knowing the significance <laughs> of the main painting um, is I love that he he upsets the viewer's expectation. And then there's an added layer of meaning when you know what the title of the painting is. Mm. Like it often says something that, again, adds adds another sense of like, oh, now I know what I'm looking at in a more... I don't know. I just, I just fucking love him. I love changes the meaning of it. Changes the meaning. It it shows a lot of thought and a lot of 
whimsy and playfulness and just I like my expectations being subverted and things just not quite being what they seem or being difficult to understand and and I think he has a great sense of humor about it he's dead but (laughs) look him up m-a-g-r-i-t-t-e magritte Mm, okay great great painter great guy great love surrealism Anywho, you ready for the next question? question? Yeah, yes. probably one more. Yeah. Okay. So our last question comes from Lollipop99. There are a few extra consonants in there. Is that like uh, somebody's dad who says lol a lot? <laughs> That's, uh, is there Hundo another pain. meaning for this word? Mm, it could be L-Ollipop. It's spelled O-L-L-I-E. So who knows? A lot okay. Of, a lot of... Or it could be lol, epapa, epapa. There's a lot of there's a lot of just spare letters in this name. Okay. So lollipop ninety nine asks, I always feel sad slash alone when my best friend does things with other friends. Oof. I know. I recognize this is unhealthy. So how do I stop? Whenever my best friend does anything without me and his other friends, I always feel really sad, alone, and left out. So I didn't know that was a comma. I always feel really sad, alone, and left out, regardless of what I'm doing. I try and do things like watch TV and hang out with my other friends or my brothers, but it never stops me from feeling sad. I recognize this is unhealthy, but how do I stop? Mm. Uh, I'd say trace it back to when you first started feeling this way. Mm. See if there's some type of anger, grief, shame Mm -hmm. surrounding that. Is this with siblings is this with parents something with your early social relationships yeah that you felt left out that maybe this Mm -hmm. reminds you of that and that makes it hurt even worse because maybe there's some type of belief in your head that people don't actually want you around Mm -hmm. and that you're not really a a fully fledged member of whatever communities you're a part of right it could be triggering an underlying what I would call irrational belief about yourself Mm -hmm. Um, and so exploring that further is a great step I think another thing that I really want to point out first, the first thing that I want to say is like, you don't, you don't stop. You don't just stop feeling sad. Yeah. Um, You you feel sad in better, more productive ways. Yeah. You allow that feeling to be there because of course it feels sad to feel Mm -hmm. left out. Belonging is one of our strongest needs as humans. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And to feel not only that in this moment you're not belonging, but that maybe there's a chronic feeling of loneliness, isolation, not belonging. And it makes you question, like Rob said, am I a valued member of this group? Um, that, that that's adding to the pain or suffering that you're experiencing. Um, and I think that your instinct is really good of recognizing that, okay, you're collecting data. Okay, it's independent of what I'm doing. Um, you know, you've tried to do these things to distract you and find other friends, other social connections, and that doesn't change the feeling. Okay, so we know that. We have that data. What else is going on? What's going on before you find out? What are th- What's underlying, like, you know, if, if you're in maybe a, um, a, a more kind of, I don't know, happier place where you really feel valued versus if you just got yelled at by your mom or dad, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to make you feel a lot differently about hearing that information. So what notice what else is kind of comes linked with that experience and that feeling. Yeah. A, a general mindfulness and awareness of what you're experiencing, uh, I think will help you uh, deal with this problem. Um, yeah. I would, 
I want to challenge that uh, it, it doesn't matter at all what else you're doing. Yeah. If you've ever had a friend before who you no longer have this expectation of that they'll include you in things, like somebody that you were maybe childhood friends with that you don't know their day-to-day life now, right? that probably doesn't make you, um, what was the mm. language used? Um, feel Sad, alone, and left out. Feel sad, alone, or left out. Yeah. So it shows that you can let go of this expectation in mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. And maybe right now you have an expectation for this friend that is uh, not something that they're going to help you with. It's not it's not working for your relationship. Right. And um, it may be a contract that would be better off burnt, you know, things like <laughs> to write it down on a piece of paper. I expect yeah. them to always include me in their social activities. And if they're not doing that, or you've tried asking for that, and that's not something mm-hmm. that they want to do, or you don't feel comfortable asking for that, then it may be an expectation that would be better uh, if you let it go. Yeah, and perhaps recognizing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're probably not including them in 100% of the things that you do. Yeah. And understanding that, oh, there's actually no intentionality behind that. It's not that you don't want that person around, or you think that they're not valuable, or you're not interested in them. It's just like, Oh, circumstance or, um, you know, whatever. It's it's often not as weighty as we tend to make it. We read so much into things when when we want to, you know, in a weird way, mm-hmm. feel that insecurity and w- like want to experience it that way on some level. Like perhaps wanting it to to validate uh, again the, those irrational beliefs about ourselves. Oh, it's very appealing for me to. If I start feeling down, I don't want things to get better. I want <laughs> I want to craft a story. I want yeah. more like things that will make other people feel bad for me. So that if they ask mm. how I'm doing, it's like, oh, well, I'm feeling bad. And I have a really good reason because this person really let me down with this really mean yeah. thing. Don't you agree that that was mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are tough yeah. for me and I am totally <laughs> valid in feeling upset or feeling yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. lonely. Yeah. Um, that's appealing and it's kind of a trap, but I let myself do it a bit. Yeah. You have to, Yeah, you can't just stop. You can't just demand to not feel bad feelings. Yeah. Well, it is possible to focus on different aspects. This is why people recommend gratitude for happiness is like, there are always things that you could focus on that are threats that are, uh, evidence that your life sucks and that you suck. And there are always things that are opportunities and that you could focus on, which are evidence that you're great and your life is awesome and you're very fortunate. Yeah. And we're not totally um, in control of what we focus on, but there are, you can steer the ship a little bit. You can turn the, the, you know, develop a practice of gratitude or like a way of dealing with, um, your disappointments without dwelling on them and habitually like fixating on them. Yeah. So, uh, one, yeah, I want to comment on the gratitude thing. Um, I think another reason that that works, uh, is that it, it, it takes your brain into a different mode basically Mm -hmm. and kind of interrupts that process of, um, you know, negative cycling and and that feeling of like worsening, worsening, worsening. Mm -hmm. And, makes you engage in different processes. Um, and that, that on its own, just making that switch, um, you know, kind of changes your frame of mind in the same way that you wouldn't be in the same frame of mind if you were, 
doing the dishes versus if you uh, were on a run. You know, it's just, they're different. Yeah, uh, a state change is a great, if, if you find yourself like, all right, I've been feeling sad about this and yeah. I'm ready to feel something else, you can like do some push-ups, brush your teeth, take a hot or cold shower, anything that like is a, a disrupting your current like static Especially mood. if it's sensory. Yeah, like and physical. Bring in a loud noise or a movement or some sensation change. Yeah. Hot or cold water is a great one. Yeah. You'll feel different if you take a shower. <laughs> you will. You'll feel cold and sad. Yeah, especially if it's not like <laughs> lukewarm. If it's if it's somehow challenging. If here's the thing, find your edge on some mm. dimension. Find the point where it's just too cold to be uncomfortable, and then turn it a little bit warmer, and like. Just know yourself through, oh, it really like it focuses the mind mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's like, all right, I have to deal with this challenge. Hot water, the same thing, but I don't want to, uh, you're likelier to hurt yourself if it's <laughs> too hot than if it's too cold. Right. So right. I don't really want to advise that. But. Yeah. Um, there was something else I wanted to, oh, um, I think it's, it's also a good idea potentially to uh, calibrate the activity that you choose as the response to sadness, um, not to be something like, you know, I think your suggestions or your, your, what you've tried of like watching TV or hanging out with your brothers may fall into the category more of a distraction and not be something that directly deals with a release of the sadness or addresses the sadness. So maybe something that is a little bit more, um, responsive to the sadness and kind of takes that sadness more seriously and, and releases it like honestly watching watching something that makes you cry mm -hmm. or you know beating on a pillow i don't know how you feel the sadness how alone being alone makes you feel it make, might make you feel angry or antsy or whatever but listening to your body and like okay what physical action is going to be kind of the natural outpouring of if i let this sadness deepen because sadness is often calling for a release. That's why we cry. Yeah, it let it lets something go. out of us. It lets us let things go. Um, the you might need to let go of your attachment yeah. to being included in mm -hmm. this friend's yeah. activities. Yeah. Um, Some of them, at least. Yeah. Uh, there are two other things I wanted to say on this. this the first is, um, yeah, it, it can be really difficult to find the right balance of letting yourself feel your feelings and then um, not self-flagellating and just dwelling and you know reopening the wound over and over. And one good way of doing that or like interrupting that cycle is to be with those feelings and sort of be in the mind state of I'm observing them. And as you have a thought that's maybe, oh, my friend's hanging out with someone else. I feel so left out. And then kind of zooming out a layer and being like, okay, I'm, I'm expressing a feeling about my friend. It, it feels like it's coming from a place of fear. Just the more you can objectively observe what's going on and not be kind of lost in it or like drowning in it, Again, it resets the state of mind that you're in. If you're mm -hmm. observing something neutrally, you're studying it like a science scientist. There's yes. like a layer of distance between you and the thing. And it, it allows you to see yourself through that lens of, I'm watching this thing and I have some sense of choosing to be in it or not. Mm -hmm. And just, 
identifying that those are two separate things is a really important process to gaining more control over your thoughts and feelings, recognizing them as these are thoughts and feelings. They're not necessarily truths. They're they just firing you, you. They're not your identity. It can right. help to like give a voice to that yeah. feeling, you know, like, oh, I'm speak- sad. yeah, yeah. You can I'm make lonely. it, <laughs> you can do it in a, a realistic way or in a cartoony yeah. way. Yeah. Um, whatever feels right for you. But yeah, I wish my friends included me. You can do that. Mm-hmm. You can just, I wish I was invited to that thing. Something mm-hmm. that's yeah. speaking from that, it will help some release to expression. Yeah. Writing is another great way. And you can change yes. your handwriting to characterize. You can write with your non-dominant hand. That also puts you, it, it switches the brain space mm. that you're in. Um, and it, Tell me about the brain space switch. <laughs> <laughs> so the, <laughs> the right side, the right, most people are right-handed. Yeah. Um, that's their dominant hand. Or and that corresponds to your the left side of your brain, which yeah. is the masculine, logical, you know, I'm doing, I'm thinking I'm whatever. Vernicke's and, and Broca's area, both there. All your language processing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Words, categories. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Judgment. Yeah. Judgment is there. Um, and then your left hand, which for most people is their non-dominant hand, um, you know, is, is sort of has a connection more to your right, the right side of the right brain. brain. So um, if you there? write with your left hand, what? What's in the right brain? The right brain <laughs> is the more open, more receptive, more quote unquote feminine. I'm not talking male, female. I'm talking masculine, feminine in terms of the polarity of traits. Um, the way that smoke moves through the air. Yes. It's more ethereal, more soft, uh, spreads out. It's not strict, structured, not on a grid. rigid, not on a grid. Um, this is a blank piece of paper, not yeah, graphing paper. Yeah. It can also, as a, as a dual thing for this particular scenario, um, it can also put you into a sort of inner child place. Mm-hmm. And that can be helpful for working out these social issues. You know, like Rob said before, it's like you kind of go back to your childhood in a way. This this experience is, is helping you, whether you want it or not, to regress to that state of more helplessness that you were at, at a chi- as a child. By writing with your left hand. So writing with your, yes. I, I mean, I was talking about the, the social situation this person finds themselves in. But as a parallel, writing writing about it with your non-dominant hand, in this case, you have to give up some sense of control. Mm. Um, it. Your, your handwriting will look childlike because mm-hmm. you'll have less, you know, less muscle control um, and it'll be hard to manipulate and do. Um, and it might force you to use simpler language because you can't just kind of like, like writing it out with your right hand. Yeah. Um, and then again, it activates your right brain. So all those things um, can give you a, a foundation for exploring this issue from a more open, emotionally attuned, receptive, softer kind of place could be helpful in processing it that's great yeah um the last recommendation would be to talk to your friend (laughs) we haven't talked about that yet um and just to you know start the conversation with you're not trying to change their behavior or control them you know you understand they can't be around all the time but it's okay to let them know that it it, you've been struggling with this Mm -hmm. there are multiple ways to skin this cat (laughs) <laughs> you can get more included in those. Yeah. You, you could ask to be invited to more things. Maybe they yeah. just didn't think of you. Maybe they would yeah. like you there. Maybe they don't think you want to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. the full details. Right. You could uh, figure out a way to enjoy being alone more. You could figure out a way to just uh, tolerate experiences that you're not enjoying more. Or you can um, find 
additional friends that don't need to replace yeah. this best friend yeah. that give you um, a more uh, robust social support network. Yeah. Or if you have the kind of relationship with this, all of those are dead on. Thank you. Um, if you have, depending on the kind of relationship you have with this friend and how, how intimate th- the best friendship is, you can also say like directly that, you know, maybe you need a little bit of a sense of like, what do you value about our friendship? And just reminding yourself of what you bring to the table for that person. And it may not necessarily always be in your physical presence, but that that person appreciates you whether or not you're there and they value the fact that you exist and and you Mm -hmm. help them in all these ways and, and, and they help you in all these ways. And just connecting on that deeper level can also give you a, a help you to hold on to mentally and like retain the sense of we care about each other mm-hmm. even when we're not together. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I think we nailed it. <laughs> I did. You tell us we nailed it. Um, uh, as always, we would, we would really love to hear from anyone obviously, but especially the people person. that have these questions, you know, how, how did the situation play out? Did you take our advice? Did you not? Mm-hmm. What did we not think of? What did you not think of? Was there we would a, love yeah, it to be other a dialogue. advice that helped more? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us that. Give us advice on how to give advice. Yeah. <laughs> We're very open to that. Um, and yeah, just try to try to take it easy on yourself. Um, it's amazing that you have so many friends and resources that you can call on and you have mm-hmm. siblings and um, that's really wonderful. I, I, this question I hit home as all of them that I choose, I guess hit home for me on some level because sure. I was an only child and I was chronically under socialized <laughs> and very lonely and isolated. And I put so much like weight to every interaction I had with friends yeah. at the time. And it was like, Oh my God, if someone flaked on me, which my, my very best friend for most of growing up was flaky. Mm. Um, and also had siblings. And so, you know, it was like, okay, every time I made plans with this person, it would be like, you know, I would get my hopes up and, you know, oh my God, I get to socialize with someone other than my parents. Hooray. Um, and but that was nice. It was great. And then, you know, she would cancel on me right before. And it was crushing. It was so crushing. Um, I'm sure I took it personally to an extent, but it was like more so that like that rise and fall of my hopes and that continual waves of like hope and disappointment. Um, and it hurt so much and it hurt especially because I didn't have other shit going on. Like I was fucking bored and alone and like, you know, making up lots of very creative things to do with myself and my anthropomorphized, um, you know, toys, toys. Um, and so I just, I, I also want to say like, I really feel for that experience. Um, and I didn't have a lot of tools to deal with that. Um, and the other thing is that time goes on and thankfully I feel I have a lot of friends now. I feel very valued and appreciated in those friendships and I don't feel that same sense of isolation and disappointment and chronic left outness and loneliness. Um, How'd you and change? so it will pass. I think it's mostly like my life circumstances changed. I just were, was in more situations where there were more people and the opportunities were not threatening. And, you know, like going to college was a huge, huge shift. Gotcha. Cause it was like, suddenly there were people around all the time. 
Um, it was like too much. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I can't spend several hours alone every day. Right. Um, but yeah, you can get through this period and, um, you know, rest assured that your aloneness doesn't point to a um, like greater fundamental aloneness. There's so many places to find community and also to relish in being alone. Cause I'm sure mm-hmm. there are times too when it's like, Oh, I'm really appreciative solitude. of being alone. Yeah. Of solitude. Yeah. Yeah. The, the positive, but it's hard to think of that when you're feeling left the other out. side of the coin. Sure. Yeah. And I like to remember that loneliness is a tax that we must pay to atone for a certain complexity of mind. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> As I say regularly on this podcast, you always re- react some way like that. I've never heard you say that. Oh, I say it all the time. Loneliness. Play the tape. Is a, play it back. A, it certainly is a tax that we must pay to atone for a certain complexity of mind. I don't know what to say because I want you to explain it better or more, uh, I mean, but you just it now repeated it. Um, all right. It's a tax. <laughs> something that's costly. Like the more complex mm-hmm. your mind is. Mm-hmm. The more lonely more you're going to you feel. No, it's just you're like, if you're simple, there are other people like you. And the more complex you are, the less like you, oh, like other people you are, oh, because there's more ways category. that you're different. I see. If your mind gets more and more complex, you are more and more unique. That's mm. how I see it. Mm. That's interesting. There's also joy to get from that and value that you can contribute to the world by being different. But like, yeah. the first chicken was unlike other birds. <laughs> But now we have KFC. You know, that was a lonely chicken who probably actually probably fucked a lot. Mistreated chickens. We have what? Not lots of dead mistreated chickens. Yeah, I wouldn't even I don't know if those are actually chickens the way that they farm raise them. So there are extraordinary chickens though out there. (laughs) Doing great work. (laughs) There are. Maintaining excellent chickenhood. (laughs) I have this photography book called Extraordinary Chickens. (laughs) (laughs) It shows you. The depth, wow! Uh, the breadth of um, chicken variation. There are really little chickens. There are really big chickens. They're chickens of all different colors, different feather patterns, and um, their gobblers are different. Mm. Some of them look like they have brains coming out of their heads. Some of them have horns. Chickens are are like the amount of diversity you see amongst uh, dogs. Mm. You can just ten times that for chickens. What? Ten you times? Could, you could ten times it. Whoa. Um, are chickens aware of the differences between chickens? I think. Is there some chickens inter- might not even recognize other chickens? Mm. A very high-paying job that requires a lot of training and is highly specialized is um, chicken sexers. <laughs> People who can identify the sex of a chicken (laughs) when it's first born, it's difficult. People who do that accurately sort those chicklets into the proper, you know, where they need to go in the Mm -hmm. the factory farms or whatever. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like people that make chickens have sex with each other, not people that have sex with chickens. No. That would also be a difficult job. Especially if they were like highly empathic. Chicken fucker is (laughs) probably the most prestigious. (laughs) All the jobs that my parents wanted me to be. You could be a lawyer, doctor, or chicken fucker. (laughs) 
did they did they even allow you to like aspire uh, that high or was no. it like well we don't want to give him false hope that he no, could no, be no. a you chicken could be fucker. anything you want except for uh cluck cluck not not <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we gotta go um sorry we're running out of time uh free advice podcast at gmail.com <laughs> that's where you can email your questions i hope that you have lovely dreams bok bok <laughs>